Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any other. And I'm back. My new show, which is similar to the old shows, but Gakron's different. My hair is longer. It was terrible. Oh, Todd, I have to disagree with you, Todd. You'd be hard-pressed to tell me otherwise. Butter to wide banana. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Take 800 of our first episode of the season three of the Rough Draft podcast. Um, now, just kidding, but happy to have the guys back. Ken and Andy, what's going on, fellas? What's up? We're back. Ken, nothing to say? I mean, I'm a little bit still in shock from the Patriots winning the Super Bowl, so I'm just going to stick to draft talk for today. Incredible. The kid is Super Bowl. You couldn't really ask for anything more. Right, Ken? You could, ask, you could yeah. ask for seven. You could ask for like the highest scoring year in the NFL or whatever, and then the lowest scoring Super Bowl. It's like perfect. It fits. Yeah, it fits. And you know what? They got it done. So God bless them. Uh, I am not a Patriots hater. I can't. So, all right. We will, uh, look, we're going to talk a little bit about the thoughts of the 2018 NFL season as a recap. Uh, we're going to discuss some breaking news that happened today in the NFL and in college football as it pertains to the draft. Um, and then we're going to get into our top five quarterbacks um, or just quarterbacks as a whole. doesn't really matter. Um, and, you know, this obviously this, this class has been ranked uh, pretty weak compared to most that we've had in the past, um, but always seems to sneak up when it gets closer to the draft. Uh, and then maybe some sleeper guys, and uh, we'll jump into stuff we're going to go for next week. So uh, with that said, fellas, what do you guys think about, uh, you know, the NFL season as a whole? Andy, we'll start it off with you because your Patriots won the Super Bowl. So what would you think as a whole? I'm sure good things. Yeah, so when it pertains to the whole NFL season, uh, I was definitely a little disappointed as a fan of more of the old school game. The first couple of months, there's just insane scoring. You had the Rams and Chiefs almost at 40 points a game. And it seemed like defense was on the wayside, and it culminated with that 54-51 arena ball fest, uh, Chiefs-Rams. But towards the end of the year, you notice that the defense is finally caught up, and particularly the Rams and Saints offense slowed down. So that's something that I think that can be taken away as a positive for next year for teams that are hopeful that defense is still uh, very important as the Pats held the Rams to just three points and the Super Bowl had 16 points total. So you can run out these insane offenses, but – if you like the Chiefs and can't stop a third down to save your life, it's going to be tough to win, win it all. So I'm glad that defense made a comeback towards the end. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you had guys like Pat Mahomes who really emerged this year on you know, his coming out party, his first year as, uh, you know, an NFL starting quarterback. Jared Goff uh, looked good uh, aside from the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, of course, offense, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, all the quarterbacks looked great. The skill players looked fantastic. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, Andy, the the defense, like they say, you know, defense wins championships, and that's really what it came down to. And I think, uh, as some fans of the game hated the Super Bowl, some fans of it also loved the Super Bowl. So it really depends on what you like. And I think it also goes to show you that the NFL is really uh, at any given week, you can kind of get any given uh, type of football. Um, I think the rules changes this year as far as like you know, roughing the passer and. Well, still, we don't know what it catches. Um, it's definitely gotten know, better. Definitely has gotten better. Um, but I think, uh, like you said, it was a, a good year, but some disappointments with some things. I just think they need to clean up some things on the officiating end um, yeah. as a whole. 
But I think uh, from my perspective, when it comes down to prospects and, and looking towards the draft, you know, we really are going towards that offensive mold uh, of types of players, explosive players, pass rushers on defense and playmakers on the back end on defenses as well. So um, the game is just getting bigger, faster and stronger. Again, cliche, but it really is the truth. Kenny, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with both of you and another piece going off of the defense wins championships. We noticed that two old styles, normal styles of offense also were in the Super Bowl. A lot of running, more pocket passers as opposed to like a lot of the guys that got most of the headlines this year, like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, guys that like to get outside the pocket, obviously two very different players there, but both guys that like to move the pocket a lot. Whereas you have Brady and Goff, and you can even say Breeze, if you want to, if you want to say he should have been there. All three of them very similar pocket passers, traditional. Obviously, Goff has helped more by play design, but th- these aren't guys that are running out of the pocket and trying to make these big plays. They're taking what's given to them and taking the easy pass, which is something that I think kind of gets lost because it's not sexy and it still finds a way to win though. So it's definitely something that I think we'll see moving forward is maybe guys focusing on completions and being an all around quarterback, as opposed to someone who's just going to be going for big plays. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, like I said, coming down to it, you know, the last year's rookie class had a big impact this season, whether it was Baker Mayfield in, uh, you know, Cleveland, or honestly, all Cleveland's whole uh, rookie class to me was impressive. Nick Chubb, who we'll get into a little later, um, based off of what happened today in the NFL. Uh, Denzel Ward looks like a pretty decent corner. Uh, Saquon Barkley with the Giants, Sam Darnold with the Jets over there, and you know, of course, Andy Sony Michelle uh, had a big impact for the Pats, especially down the stretch in the playoffs. So, uh, this the rookie class from last year really shaped up to be a good one. And I think uh, this draft class coming up is, is sneaky good. I think it was pretty – I think this is an underrated, um, undervalued draft class uh, coming up. So Yeah, and then just kind of – you can't really talk about 2018 recap in the NFL draft podcast token rookie classes and not bring up the Colts, I think. Yeah. I know that's something that the three of us have talked about and – I think we should uh, just kind of get it out out there in the open, talk about it a little bit early on so that we don't uh, possibly possibly pass over one of the uh, better drafts that we'll see by a GM. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chris Ballard did a hell of a job, uh, you know, executive of the year, um, drafting Quentin Nelson. Uh, you know, a lot of people will say you can't draft a guard at that slot, but they traded uh, traded down. Uh, in order to, you know, still solidify uh, what I think is a perennial all-pro offensive guard and potentially a future Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't think that's really unfair to say. After his first year, he's a hell of a player. And then, uh, you know, you get guys like, um, you know, the defensive rookie of the year and, you know, Darius Leonard. Yeah, so um, they they had a hell of a draft class with with major impact on both sides of the ball for them. Yeah, I mean, even... You have Naheem Hines, who yeah, Ole Miss, fact, yeah, uh, no, nah, NC State, NC sorry, State. NC State, yeah, but sorry. he was still he who factored in, even though that backfield was a little bit of a mess. He was he played plenty of valuable snaps and was a good threat out of the backfield, receiving wise for them. Uh, 
I know personally had him on a fantasy team or two that gave me a, a couple decent weeks in there. So definitely a guy that was able to step up, even though he wasn't a big name. Yeah. Andy, what do you think? Anytime you can draft two all pros in one draft class and they're both all pros as a rookie, that's basically hitting a grand slam of a draft. Uh, Leonard and Nelson are building blocks for the next 10 to 15 years. And obviously, as uh, Ken touched on earlier, the trade down is the big part of it. Accumulating assets and multiple second round picks this year, along with a ton of cap space. So they kind of remind me of the Saints last year with Kamara on the offensive side of the ball and uh, Lattimore, who both obviously were centerpieces. And it's it's honestly how they'll be a contender going forward for years to come. It's also exactly. nice to have those guys on uh, on those rookie contracts. Yeah, especially. No, yeah, especially with, uh, you know, I mean, two big pieces on the offensive line, which helped Andrew Luck uh, and also Braden Smith was the uh, starting right tackle for them who they picked in the second round, um, who had a big impact for them as well. Uh, pretty underrated offensive lineman uh, from Auburn. So, yeah, they, they had a great draft, and that's a, it's a great point, Ken. So... Uh, yeah, so that was that was the NFL uh, real season as a whole, um, kind of guys who had a, a big impact uh, in the draft, and we're looking forward to this year's draft. Uh, like I said, I really believe that you know this draft class is starting to really grow on a lot of people, scouts and GMs, and um, that's only going to continue to to flourish uh, really once you know the combine rolls around at the end of this. Uh, you know, month here in the beginning of March and then uh, on to, you know, pro days and all that other stuff and interviews. So uh, we had the senior bowl. A lot of guys did well, um, had a lot, a lot of quarterbacks, which we'll get into. Um, but moving on to the NFL today, there was some breaking news. Uh, we had Kareem Hunt, who was the former Kansas City Chiefs running back, who, of course, as we know, was released due to some uh, a video that surfaced um, about with him uh, with an assault charge on a female. Um, you know, obviously not a good look for him. All pro running back as a rookie, the, the you know, two years ago. Uh, was having a pretty decent year. Not like his rookie year, but having still a very good year in that high-powered Andy Reid Chiefs offense. Uh, today, Kareem Hunt signed with the Cleveland Browns. What were your guys' thoughts on that um, as, it, as it happened today? Yeah, honestly, uh, at first I was surprised just because, particularly the Browns, they have Nick Chubb carrying the ball, who's been – he had a fantastic rookie year between the tackles, and you have Duke Johnson in the receiving part of the game. So you got to figure maybe Duke Johnson's on the move. And then – but then uh, Dorsey obviously drafted Hunt first off, and he likes taking character gambles. But I just don't know if it's worth the PR hit when, in my opinion, your running back position was pretty much set moving forward. But – It'll be awesome depth, and you figure he's getting suspended anyway, so it's really a move for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it, I definitely – I think other teams it might have made more sense for, like being able to take that backlash, and I definitely think it's not something that you want – I mean, not to be like that guy, but like the Browns have been very negative media-oriented in past years, whether it was – on field, off field, whatever the case may be, they they're always like similar to the Jets recently, a little bit of like laughing stock. And whenever they do something, it's in the media. Win, lose, whatever the case may be. And I definitely, I think it's interesting to pair with uh, Baker Mayfield, who some people 
have issues with his character and I mean, personally, I don't think there's any issues with his character, but like people have not liked some of the things he's done specifically in college and all that. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how how it kind of affects him, possibly. Not that maybe it takes some attention off of him, which will be good. Maybe it is bad for him because there's more more pieces around, more ways for him to say something stupid, get in trouble. I don't really know, but I mean, it's definitely an interesting team. I think more running back needy teams probably could have had a, taken that risk because they can afford the PR backlash. Right, yeah. And I, I think, you know, uh, John Dorsey uh, is, is familiar with Kareem Hunt, um, you know, obviously from scouting him. Uh, you know, he took a flyer on a guy like Tariq Hill in Kansas City. Uh, that panned out pretty well when he was there in Kansas City as their general manager. And I also think it kind of speaks volumes because – you know, you look at a situation they had there just this year, uh, getting rid of Josh Gordon, you know, a guy who had so many chances uh, in his Might career in the NFL. He may get another, and you know, Keep they kept it, and they kept him, they kept him around only so long to let him go. Uh, so it does speak volumes with the due diligence they kind of did on Kareem Hunt the situation. Uh, you know, in their press release, they kind of said that they spoke to multiple, you know. I guess it was, you know, so maybe it was like psychotherapists and all these different things that kind of they wanted to really make sure they had all their ducks in a row, uh, making sure that Kareem Hunt has kind of reached out and, you know, taken all the proper steps and seeked all the proper resources to to do what he has to do to, to kind of clear his name the best he can to get back on the field. And Andy, like you said, you know, he, he's not going to probably not play this year, I don't think. Um you know, maybe he does, um, but it would be for a small amount of games uh, and then obviously moving forward. Um, but I, I was like you guys, you know, we had that group chat today and kind of said like it was kind of weird, like you said, with Duke Johnson and Nick Chubb obviously ran the ball really well for them. So uh, him and Chubb together, um, you know, that that'll definitely be an interesting duo. And, you know, maybe they keep Duke Johnson, I I know Andy. You said they may trade him, but I think they may they may keep him and just continue to use him as another weapon for Baker. What if they try and boost his value, play him a lot early in the year, and maybe try and get rid of him once Kareem Hunt's going to be coming off suspension yeah, or right. something like that? They might try and get a a positive flip for it by having him play a lot early in the year. Yeah, and he that too. Yeah, right, right around the deadline. I mean, it's kind of. Nick Chubb kind of show showed that he could do it uh, by himself, uh, and then you know obviously with Duke Johnson, so you never know what they what they can do kind of uh, moving forward with with uh, the pieces that they have. So definitely an interesting thing. I mean, what do you guys think as far as the PR uh, implications that this may have for their franchise? So just as like not my personal belief, but there are plenty of people out there after seeing the video that don't think necessarily that what he did was, I mean, it was wrong, but they don't think it was as bad as a lot of people react, how people reacted to it. And I think that, I mean, obviously we saw like Ray Rice and obviously that's a completely different situation, but like a lot of people think that Kareem Hunt, what he did didn't deserve to be completely just like kicked off a team and suspended for however long he's going to be suspended for. They might not have thought it was too bad what he did. Um, but I think it's it's a tough spot to put yourself in, especially because of everything in the in the media coming out in the last couple of years of just people doing stupid things. And I mean, I don't really want to get into too much of that, but 
I mean, it's definitely going to be something that they're going to have to face very often, and he's going to have to be able to handle the media asking him a ton of questions about it. That They're pretty ruthless, and I don't think they're going to let up on that anytime soon. So I'm curious to see how he reacts. Sure. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I just think, honestly, it's about how you play on the field. If for better or worse, honestly, fan bases forget about in time. Obviously, what Tyreek Kill did is way worse. You have Joe Mixon playing. Yep. I, th- I honestly think in our culture, especially in sports, it's 24-hour news cycle. People move on to the next thing. So I really think it won't stick with people that much. I, that's the reason I think you make the gambles like this nowadays is I just think the PR news cycle is quick. They're mostly talking about LeBron every day anyway. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it'll it'll stay until he comes off suspension, then he plays for a couple of weeks, and it'll likely go away. Or, I mean, if he starts – if he doesn't play up to how we're used to him playing, maybe some people try and bring it back and say it's messed with his head or something like that. But, I mean, if he performs, it's – you're gonna get you're gonna get your chance, and people are gonna just see you for how you are on the field. Yeah, I I agree, and I think another thing that's kind of taken into consideration with this is, um, you know, the structure that Cleveland kind of has. Kenny, you touched on it. Like they were for years, obviously the laughing stock of not just the NFL but kind of sports in general. And John Dorsey really has changed that. He's kind of changed that culture, and I don't think it's gonna have that big of an impact um, as much as people will think. Um, I, I like Andy, like you said, they're going to talk about it all the time, but, um, I think it's really a low risk, high reward as far as what's going to happen on the field. And if something happens off the field, then you just kind of, you let them go and you move on. You know, they've kind of dealt with this in the past and I, I really don't think that they would have taken this type of calculated risk without, you know, again, calculating it. Um, you know, so I think that, uh, I think that they what they did by looking into it is really a smart move and can really only benefit them and not hurt them. And I think if the, if this is the old Cleveland Browns and they did this, I would be much more concerned. And I mean, just I guess one last piece from me is just the fact that I mean they're a different team now. Like you said, they're not that two and fourteen team. They're like they can actually win and. If this turns them into a contender, like somebody was going to take him anyway, it's not like he was not going to play in the NFL unless the Browns took him. Like the Browns are taking the chance that I'm sure other teams are willing to take as well. So it's not like it's super negative on them because any any team that would have taken the risk and willing to bet there were a decent amount would have been taking the same backlash. So it's not like they're the only team that yeah. would that would have went after him or it did go after him. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I agree. Um, a interesting little tidbit uh, from today. I'm not going to say little. It's actually huge. Um, is a f- baseball player, Kyler Murray. No, I'm not going to say he's a baseball player. He's a football player first, in my opinion. Uh, chose chose football today. He tweeted out that he is committed to being a NFL quarterback. So uh, it, only, it only took him how many months and going on TV and saying he wasn't sure. I mean, I kind of thought at the end of the day, you know, he, he really had – the ball was in his court, and it was all really just kind of a matter of time. I think he – once the ball started rolling, 
with this. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like John Carlos Stanton getting traded to the Yankees in a non-football related thing. Like it kind of seemed like a joke when it first happened, but then it really picked up steam. And then now here we are today. It happened. Um, so, you know, obviously that's a huge, huge um, addition to this year's draft. Uh, he has the he has the possibility to be the first player ever taken in the first round of both the NFL and MLB draft. Um, so, uh, I mean, what do you guys think about this and and kind of the implications it has on on you know his his brand and and the NFL as well? I mean, he basically took the decision that LeBron had, however many years ago, and turned it into his own thing this year. Uh, he's pretty much he's starting off on a bad foot for a lot of fans. Just how he approach the whole situation. I know a lot of people are already questioning. You see all over like Twitter and stuff like how, how can you want a guy that can't decide if he wants to play football or baseball? He, he waits and drags it out to be like your franchise quarterback. I mean, obviously other people love it and think he's going to be an amazing quarterback and think he made the right choice. And I don't know if he made the right choice, but I just don't, I don't appreciate the process in which he went about it. And, I think that's definitely something that is going to linger for me when I think of him. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I look at it as, um, you know, kind of, a, like I said, I've been talking about it the whole time is, you know, he's kind of manipulated it to play it in his favor, you know, and at the end of the day, like it is his life, but I think he also dragged it out too long as weird as that sounds. Um, I think that he could have, taking care of this from, you know, by the end of the season in the college football or, you know, like, like Andy said, he didn't have to go on, you know, Colin Cowherd and have a weird, or it was Dan Patrick. He had a it was weird yeah. interview where it was just like, it was just so awkward, you know, and even Barstool had him on for a pizza review and uh, they tossed him a baseball and a football. And like, as a joke, he accidentally caught, you know, he caught both and they did it again. He caught the baseball and then they're like, Oh, he's choosing baseball. Like as a joke, but you know, like that's kind of how like we kind of all like kind of figured it would almost come down to at one point. Like that's how it was going to be a decision. Um, yeah, I think, I don't think he handled it in the best light. And I think that interview with Dan Patrick also was really like kind of eye opening because that was just bizarre. Like it was just so weird. And for anyone who doesn't know what that we're talking about, you know, definitely take a look at it. But, Dan Patrick basically asks him and he's almost like denying like either like that it's even a thing. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> he's, like, I, yeah, he's like, I don't know. And then his dad's in the background. They're like talking to the dad. Just like, you know, after a while, it's just like, all right, make your own be, decision. Be man. a grown man and make a decision. That's, yeah, that's right. what it comes down to is like, he had to know, like, I know it's a life altering decision, but like he knew what he was going to do. And especially with the way he came, at least the way he worded it today when he came out with the with his statement, made it seem like he knew he was going to play football all along. Uh, that was his love. He wanted to. He was raised and born and bred and uh, given food to be a quarterback his whole life. Really being his fist, reading that, right? I mean, yeah, that absolutely. And it's just a matter of like, was he just not transparent with the A's? Was he, which I don't think he necessarily had to be, but I think in what they did for him, allowing him to play college football after being drafted, he should have at least approached it better. And I mean, I'm sure stuff will come out in the coming days and weeks about 
how what communication he had with the A's and what they actually thought he was going to do or if they knew he was going to go play in the NFL or whatever the case may be, but it definitely didn't seem that way up until today. Like, the, the A's knew anything about, like, what his decision was going to be. And I'm just – I mean, I'm really curious because I could see this having, I mean, it's at least a negative impact and depending on – I mean, obviously there are QB needy teams and what we'll – get to seems like a poor QB draft class this year uh, that I think it's going to benefit him. Had he come out last year or maybe next year, uh, I think this whole BS of the, his decision-making process would definitely have hurt him. But uh, this year he might be able to uh, get away with it. Yeah. And I think it also, you know, goes to kind of speak on this year's quarterback class and, um, you know, I think, you know, when that, that report came out, I think it was the San Francisco Chronicle, like about a month or so ago, about him, you know, really deciding that he kind of is leaning towards football and all that stuff. Um, it, was, it was one of those things that, you know, it was like, it was, it was like, it was like strange, but you're like, all right, at this point, there has to be something where, you know, he's tipped that. And then at that point, you know, that's when that video surfaced of Cliff Kingsbury, who was just recently appointed the Arizona Cardinals uh, head coach first pick in the draft, um, you know, but saying he would take Kyler Murray if he had the first pick in the draft. And here we are, just so, ha- just so happens that he does. And although they have a quarterback in Josh Rosen who they drafted last year, you know, Kingsbury wasn't there for that that part of it. And, you know, maybe, you know, Kingsbury and there's some conspiracies going on that, you know, maybe there's like a uh, under the table deal here where, you know, Rosen gets traded and, you know, Kingsbury kind of gets his guy, if you will, in Kyler Murray. And do you think that's a possibility at all? Well, speaking of which, great segue. Uh, breaking news that Kyler Murray has reportedly hired the same agent as Cliff Kingsbury. Wow. Is that great. is that legit? Yeah, Matt Miller just tweeted it. Eric Burkhardt is his agent, who also represents Cliff Kingsbury. That that adds some fun intrigue there. Now, he's, yeah. now you can actually start wondering if there was some agreement in place. Like, right. I, talk between them, which that'd be crazy if they draft a number one, but he believes in them. Jeez, that's fun. Wow. Yeah, that would that would be interesting to me too, because then where does that kind of come down to like, there has to be some sort of like investigation, I feel like, <laughs> at that point. Like, no, seriously, if that happens, like, you know, no, we, I, really, it does seem a little shady, and you almost wonder if like... Number one, drop that baseball stuff, just drop it right now. Right, like, did, did Kingsbury take the job with Arizona, just because... <laughs> Oh, this is next level. We might have to another episode in a couple of months. We're just gonna have a we're gonna have a Cliff Kingsbury episode. Uh, I mean, that, even that whole drama, the Kingsbury hiring, was a little strange. And then, uh, you know, so that's definitely something to be interested to to see when it comes down to it. Uh, maybe will the NFL kind of look into that? But you know, Josh Rosen, obviously, he struggled quite a bit. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals struggled obviously quite a bit because they had the first pick in the draft. So uh, I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to be the, uh, you know, the savior that comes in and fixes that team in uh, a year or two. So yeah, that that'll definitely be interesting to see for sure. And then another piece of it is where would Rosen end up? You know, a lot of people linked him to the maybe the Giants or you know Jacksonville or whoever it may be. Uh, that'll definitely be interesting to see. So yeah, maybe we'll have a Kingsbury Kyler Murray and uh, not an interview. Sorry, that'll never happen on this show yet. Maybe down the line, but down the line, yeah. yeah. So, I don't, yeah, I don't know. yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely 
a little shady, but like I guess the way I see it is like I don't I don't particularly have an issue with it. Like as having the first pick in the draft, like you have the first pick in the draft. You can't. It's not like you're not conspiring. You're not uh, doing anything that's I guess like. I mean, I don't know if it's illegal. I don't think it's illegal. I don't. I mean, they, they should, should be able, able to, to do whatever they want. They can talk to whoever. I mean, whoever they want is their guy. So if they're trying to convince the guy that they want at number one to come into the NFL draft, enter the enter the NFL draft, so that they can take him, I don't have any issues with that. I mean, if they were like the fourth, fifth pick, maybe, and then I'm like, ah, eh, it's a little different. But like first pick, you see it in all the leagues, like. The team knows who they're taking months in advance, unlike right. the Browns last year. But other than that, I mean, they generally know who they're taking, and I don't have an issue with trying to pull a guy your direction. Yeah, it's it's very similar to, like, college recruiting in a way. You know, I think it's a lot of, uh, you know, conversation and, and back and forth. And, you know, I, I think once, once the guy declares for the draft um, – which Kyler Murray did uh, a little while ago. Like it, it's at that point, you know, to help him sway his opinion on whether baseball or football, like there had to be a conversation on the line with both the A's and people within the NFL to kind of help him sway that opinion. And you got to think now that those conversations happened and it t- tended to be a little stronger on the NFL front. Um, and I also think that I, I, I don't know him as much as a baseball prospect. And I know I know he is a five-tool guy and has tons of potential. But, you know, we're talking about a sport where he could come in and play right away in, in on the big stage. Uh, that's the thing. I mean, he definitely his, – his, him as a prospect, baseball versus football, at least right now, he's a much better prospect for the NFL, even with his height – I mean, I personally am not a huge fan, which I'll get into later, but I mean, he's definitely a better prospect NFL-wise. Uh, Baseball-wise, I mean, it's, this is a football podcast, so I won't get too much into it, but he's not a guy that, I mean, you would expect a fast guy like him to maybe get hit for average. He's more of a power hitter, has like a relatively low average, and he actually doesn't have, which is funny, they don't consider him having like a plus-plus arm, like a great arm in the outfield, even though he's going to be a quarterback in the NFL. So it's definitely uh, an interesting uh, comparison of the prospect MLB to NFL, but uh, I I definitely, NFL, he's a better prospect. So in that regard, I think it was a uh, a more sound choice for him. Yeah. So Kyler Murray and Kareem Hunt were the two biggest storylines of the day. Uh, interesting that it happened uh, both in the same day, uh, both Kyler Murray first, and then and then Kareem Hunt uh, later on in the day. Um, so definitely, you know, transitioning a little bit into uh, the quarterback position as we did with Kyler, uh, we're going to kind of go into um, you know top five quarterback rankings. Um, kind of, we're going to go by more so where we would draft them. Um, because th- this year's class is, is pretty interesting. Uh, I think we can all agree it's not as talented um, overall as years past. Um, it's kind of a, a strange draft. A lot of people are already looking to the 2020 draft and the 20-whatever Trevor Lawrence draft comes out, like, you know, 2021 or 22, whatever he decides to do. So uh, people tend to look at that 
um, before they look at even this draft class, I feel like. So um, what do you guys have as your top five? Andy, top five, top five, you. top five. Uh, you can go five to one, one to five, whatever. Taylor's choice. But. I say I say we bounce around a little. We'll go. We want to throw each go with like each one, throw our one, then throw our two out there. Mm-hmm. And go that way as opposed to rattling one through five. Sure. Try and sure. get a couple different voices going. Yeah, sure. We'll do it that way. So, Andy, go ahead. Yeah, so before the combine and everything, obviously opinions can change, pro days, but this is a big picture. Last year you had five or six quarterbacks viewed as guys worthy of top 50 picks, and honestly this year, for me right now, it's it's two guys with Dwayne Haskins, number one. Todd, uh, you're perfect. Honestly, prospect. He's not as good as Donald or Rosen or maybe even Mayfield were, but the thing about him is he is a one-year starter, which is very – it's obviously risky. You had people like Mark Sanchez, who had a good year at USC, then went to the NFL. You had Trubisky, and he's honestly been a to-be-determined type player. But, I mean, 50 touchdown passes. He has the size, the arm. I think he scans his progressions very well. I like that in a young quarterback. He'll go to his third read. Honestly, the main thing with him, honestly, is just he needs more years. It's tough to go off just one year. And and as well as his the offense over in Myran, it's a lot of crossing routes, a lot of easy uh, gains with big yards, for yards after the catch. But if we're just evaluating based on last year, I do think he's worthy of a top five selection. And I consider him maybe similar to Goff out of Cal. You know, your number one type pick who's not – well, number one quarterback who's just – he's flawed, but he has the tools to be a franchise quarterback. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll follow that up. I'm, I'm aligned with Andy on that one. I agree. I, I like Haskins as, uh, as my QB one. A big piece of that is just that I personally see he's the only one that I see franchise quarterback uh, that I um, I feel comfortable putting that that tag on, looking at him like going into the draft. He's the only one I see as a long term solution at quarterback. Uh, kind of building off what Andy said also is like he's very he, he's very inconsistent, but his upside is his his flashes are unbelievable uh, in terms of what he can do with the ball and. I think if he fixes his footwork a little bit and possibly makes a couple less, slightly less risky throws, and I mean he can put the ball pretty much wherever he wants when he when he gets his feet right. So I think it's a matter of him kind of just settling in, maybe learning uh, with a veteran quarterback in the system, even if they're backing up. He's the starter, and they're backing him up, kind of helping him with that aspect of his game. And I think that. Uh, I mean, he's a clear QB one in this draft for me, and it's interesting that he falls this year. And a lot of people think they wanted him to stay in one more year, but his value would have dropped even if he had an amazing year next year because of the quarterbacks coming out. So I think it was a good decision to come out, and he's definitely my QB one. Yeah, I think that, Kenny, that's a great point. Like, realistically, with you know this year's class being so weak, you know, as we've said, um, and next year's class being – a lot stronger it probably was the best decision and that that's also why i have Dwayne haskins number one i think you know his tools his intangibles uh, he's one of those guys i think that with him it's going to be either a boom or a bust i really feel like all these quarterbacks it's such boom or bust potential um but haskins has obviously the prototypical size you know he he's a big guy he's around six three six four 230 pounds, 225 pounds, whatever he may be. Um, he has the frame. 
Um, that it's just the way he carries his frame is just different than a lot of other guys. Obviously, will stretch the field um, with his arm. You know, he scares me. I feel like he could either be a, a Ben Roethlisberger or he could be like Cardell Jones, who was also at Ohio State. That's a good you know, sell, so, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I like that comparison I, if he panned out. What was that? that? I like the comparison if he pans out. I I see Big Ben out of Ohio back in the day. Yeah. I mean, he's not he's not going to be able to really run. Um, he's I don't well, care what Stephen A. Smith says. Right. Yeah, Stephen A. says he's a running quarterback. He is not. Um, but I think he could kind of get it done. You know, you look at Teddy Bridgewater, Ben Roethlisberger, guys like that. They're mobile enough, and I think Dwayne Haskins is mobile enough. Um, you know, I don't think you're going to sit there and run the read option with him. But I think you can get some RPO stuff in there with him, kind of like a Nick Foles. Um, I think that that kind of mold is there for him. Um, Andy, you mentioned the one-year starter. Um, I mean, he had a hell of a year as a one-year starter. Um, but I think he's he's the one guy that, you know, he'll be able to take a five-step drop, seven-step drop. He could obviously work out of the shotgun, as we've seen quite a bit. Um, and if, if you watch his last couple games at Ohio State, he played some pretty tough defenses. Um, and he went through his reads. He kind of showed his progressions. Um, and I think Dwayne Haskins' best football is ahead of him uh, if he's put in the right situation. Um, as a Giant fan, I, I think the Giants would be a good spot for him to go under Pat Shermer, kind of you know work city year, uh, and really work on you know translating his game, his timing, his his speed, uh, the whole you know the whole gamut, his whole uh, you know game as a whole. I think will evolve and benefit from him just sitting a year, kind of learning. And maybe he will get thrown in uh, midseason or whatever, whatever team he goes on. But I think a team like the Giants with Shermer, uh, no bias as a Giants fan. But um, I think, you know, and another point is we're making a lot of these quarterbacks to seem better than they are because that's what we do every year. I think we talk about that on the show every year. Um, but you kind of have to, especially with this class, because the talent just isn't there as a whole, as a group. Um, but that doesn't mean there's a clear, there's not a clear cut guy. And I think Haskins is. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. And the big difference between last year and this year's quarterback classes is the floor for me is, I mean, last year, most of those guys, we were, we sat down, we're confident. Like you're not going to be blowing a pick if you draft them early in the first round, like they'll at least be a decent quarterback for you, even though this year, like last year might not have been great years for them. But they, we still see them as being starters in the NFL, whereas these guys we see as such boomer bust prospects. And the one thing with Haskins, with Haskins that I was extremely impressed with is just his drive. He's so driven. I mean, when you saw him when he was what seven years old, ten years old, right. however old he was, saying I'm going to be the quarterback at Ohio State, and kind of then going to Ohio State and breaking that mold of that running quarterback in the high school style offense. I mean, they completely changed their offensive game because he was that good of a quarterback, and they, they didn't go back to their high school run, run, run offense. They sat back and said, sit in the pocket and throw it downfield, and that's what he did, and he did it extremely well. So that definitely impressed me. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so number two uh, overall, Andy, who do you got for number two? Yeah, so number two, uh, I will say this quarterback is the last guy I consider – a first-round caliber pick and someone that, honestly, the franchise quarterback on paper, uh, Kyler Murray, just the game is suited for him nowadays. You saw all these new 
offenses. Uh, yeah, Nagy's offense with Trubisky, who I think Calamari's a better prospect than Trubisky was. I was not a big fan of him out of North Carolina. Uh, what Andy Reid's doing with Mahomes, I think he comes in. Electric runner, probably the most dynamic runner since Vic, or IG3 maybe. And he has a strong arm. He can make all the throws. He's accurate enough. The main problems with him, honestly, we'll get into height. Ken will touch on that maybe. Height is a problem when you're trying to throw at 5'9". It just isn't the league. You'll have to create outside of structure, which I think he can. But I think he leaves his feet too much in the pocket. Sometimes he's, he has a clean pocket and he'll just start running around. I'm just not sold on that part of his game. So I don't think he's a fit for everybody. But if you can mold the offense around him, uh, I honestly think he can be a dynamic playmaker. And somebody, maybe not an elite quarterback, but a borderline Pro Bowl type, if you give him the offense around him. And then... Other questions, obviously, we touched on his character with the whole it will I or won't I, but we're past that. And I think if he's dedicated to the sport, I definitely think if you're a team that lacks pizzazz, you know, you want to inject some life in the franchise, I think someone like the Bengals, honestly, could really use Kyler Murray. And I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, I mean, um, I agree with having – I have Kyler Murray as my QB, too. In this year's uh, draft class, uh, I'm not sold on him. I'm not a fan of his. Uh, I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. Uh, will he have moments that make your jaw drop 100%? Even in the NFL, I think he'll have moments because he'll step in. He'll be able to to make an impact at least day one. I'm not doubting that. I mean, Lamar Jackson also was able to make an impact day one or year one or however you want to look at it. Uh, and that's I, think, I, I think, Kenny, that's actually a great – point Lamar Jackson is a perfect guy to kind of if, if there's questions about his style then that's, think, that's the thing for me is like Murray's Murray's a better passer that's not like, like that's not an argument for me he's a much better passer than Lamar Jackson uh Lamar is a better frame for someone at least that's going to be getting hit more often as as a runner I mean he's he's taller he can at least see over like the line of scrimmage when he is making a shorter pass which with those running style, I mean, take I mean, Russell Wilson, you hear those comps a lot, but like you have the, those types of guys struggle on, I guess, shorter passes because you can't really go get those inside passes on like slants and stuff because it's tough for them to make that throw. A lot of times can get airmailed because they have to get it over the line of scrimmage or it gets batted down or whichever negative you want to pick. But it's, uh, I definitely think he's going to make an impact day one and, He's going to be a guy that we'll see for, I think, a handful of years making, being able to be a quarterback in this league. I just don't really see him as that franchise guy. I see him starting off hot and got, I think st teams starting to figure out how to defend against them, to be honest. Yeah, I think in, in the NFL is obviously a copycat league. And like both of you touched on, it's kind of the way the game is going. But at the same time, you know, I mean yeah, – talk about the wildcat offense you talk about the rpo like teams start to figure this out after a while i mean it, it becomes a uh, very successful but then you know teams do figure it out um kyler is also my qb2 um just because of i think he can he has potential to be a, a good leader although the stuff that we've seen in the media lately doesn't seem to be that you know maybe that will hurt him as as a leader as a character guy um I will compare him to Baker Mayfield because not, not because they both went to Oklahoma, but they, they have the arm talent. Um, you know, the accuracy is there. I, he's, he is sort of a gunslinger and obviously his athletic ability is just, I mean, is freakish. 
I mean, he, he has the thicker lower body. Um, his legs are just are different. Um, kind of like that Russell Wilson lower body, I think. Um, you know, his height, obviously, I mean, you guys both touched on that, so I'm not going to really go into that. I do think it will be an issue, but um, Kenny, you touched on the Lamar Jackson point. Like, if you get a good system with a good coach, honestly, like a Cliff Kingsbury, who, you know, a good offensive mind who can figure out how to use him, then, yeah, I think that they'll be able to use him. Um, you know, the the Ravens use Lamar and, and Alex Collins quite a bit running the ball, and uh, they did a good job of it. So I think Kyler Murray could come in uh, and, and be a, an electric player. Um, I mean, he's shorter than all the guys we talk about. He's shorter than Drew Brees. He's shorter than Russell Wilson. He's shorter than Baker Mayfield. So it's, it, I think that that obviously plays a factor. Uh, and certain teams will stay away because of that. But uh, I agree, Ken. I, th- I don't think he'll be a franchise guy. I think he'll be with a team through his rookie deal and then kind of move on. I don't think he's going to be a 10-year you know, starter for a team. I think he's going to kind of – he'll be a good quarterback. But I think, um, I think his playmaking ability is what could set him apart. And if he could translate that to the NFL – uh, I think he'll he'll do fine. Yeah, and I'm 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 curious to see if teams kind of take the Chargers uh, mold that they had against Lamar Jackson and getting those those DBs in there uh, at linebacker and trying to just disrupt whatever type of running that Lamar Jackson was trying to do, which they seem to bottle him up pretty well. I'm curious to see if teams try and implement that against Kyler and make basically say. Oh, okay, go ahead. We know you're a great runner. We know you can throw the ball, but we're going to make you beat us through the air. We're not going to let you beat us on the ground. And I'm curious to see how he does. I mean, obviously, it's going to be tough. He's such a great playmaker. But if you can eliminate that part of his game and say, we'll give you some one-on-ones, prove to us that you can beat us through the air, I'm curious to see how he does with that when he can't run or if teams are able to prevent him from running. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And um, again, I think any of these quarterbacks really, um, they have to be put in the right position. They have to kind of sit a little bit and be able to adjust the NFL speed and, and size and, you know, the whole, the whole picture of the NFL. I think they have to some, somewhat adjust. I know Andy broke the Bengals, but you know, even another quarterback, any team like, um, you know, the Dolphins or the, um, you know, the Broncos, you know, John Elway's been trying to get a quarterback there, but defensive-minded coaches, do they have the right people in the building that can help develop a young quarterback that is going to need that help? So I think in a situation like Denver or Miami, it may not be the best situation for them. Uh, Maybe there is someone in the building that could help, but I think those guys would benefit from more of an offensive-minded coach and and a scheme that could help them. Yeah, and just for the record, I mean, both guys I think will go top 10, but – uh, I think Haskins is the only one of the two that deserves to go top 10. Uh, and Murray would, I'd say he's a late first round to early second round pick if I was, if it was up to me. But um, they, they, he'll likely go top 10. And that's, I mean, that's just where I have him uh, in my preference. But I'm aware he's going to go that early. And I know we mentioned where we, we said we would, where we would draft him. So I, if you guys wanted to touch on, on your viewpoints on that as well. Yeah, Andy, go ahead. Uh, regarding the draft, yeah, I, I said earlier that I think Kyler is worth the top 20 or so pick. I think he's right in that mold of borderline franchise prospect with a flaw like 
I had Mahomes at 10, Deshaun Watson like in the teens, someone like that. I'm a I'm a bigger fan than you on him. I I recognize he's flawed, but I think he does have franchise tools. Yep. And you think he'll go top ten? Like he will go, not where you would take yeah. him. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we were all kind of on the same page with that and then spoke about where we would take them personally. Yeah, I think uh personally I agree. I think he'll go top ten. You know, maybe depending on what happens at the combine, how he throws, his pro day, whatever. We all know pro days are set up and scripted. But um, I, I think that, honestly, a good fit for Kyler Murray is like the New England Patriots. I know, uh, you know, I know that sounds a little crazy, but um, maybe not the offensive scheme. But I feel like, again, you know, he sits. He's in a really good environment. You know, you see it time and time again. The Patriots just really are able to develop guys and put them in the right position to succeed for the future. I'm not saying it will happen or should happen, but I really actually believe that he should be more of that lower first round, mid first round guy. So I would say anywhere from like 15 to to 20 range is really where I believe Kyler Murray should go, but I believe he'll go top 10. So number two. So number three. So yeah, at this point, honestly, uh, People can disagree. I know some draft experts like a third quarterback kind of in this range, but for me, this is a big drop-off. Now you're talking about developmental guys, and it's really about preference. So for my third quarterback, uh, Jared Stidham, a quarterback out of Auburn, when you're looking for in this range is quarterbacks that have a lot of the tools you're looking for to be a franchise quarterback but just need work. Uh, something I like to see, obviously, is he had a 43 t- 48 touchdowns with 13 picks. He's a great – I think he's a great decision-maker. Uh, he has the size, the accuracy I like as well. The main problem with him is he was awesome after his sophomore year last year. He could have left the draft. It was just a loaded quarterback class, so he figured, I'll come back to school, and Ken can attest. He really he had an off year. And I just, I'm just i just not sure with the Malzahn offense where just a bunch of moving spread parts where he really didn't get to command as a quarterback. It was a lot of just quick screens, bubble screens, stuff like that. So I think I mean, he, also, he also had a terrible offensive line. Horrendous. Oh. I mean, he's really bad. crazy. I know last year Clemson like sacked him like nine times or something. Right. And it's just tough with him. I'm a fan of him, and I've been a fan of him for a couple of years now, but I, I would draft him probably in the mid-second round. You might not see his name called to the fourth round, but he's someone where if you have an established franchise quarterback or an aging one like the Pats, the Chargers, I think if you give him the time to mold, I think you're getting a value because there's a chance. I just – I just don't think he was fit for that offense. I wish I saw him in a more like the Big 12 or the Pac-12. Like, you know, the most on offense, it's, it, he uses like Nick Marshall, like these running quarterbacks. I just thought it was a weird fit. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Kenny? Yeah, I mean, so I, I agree with you there. I'm, uh, I'm not as high on Stidham as you are, and I don't think I have as much of a drop-off between uh, QB2 to QB3 as you do. Um but I'm also not super high on this guy. I mean, my QB three I have is uh, Drew Locke out of Missouri. Uh, he's a little different from what Andy was saying with with Stidham. I feel like his biggest issue is like decision making and uh, just all around, just like kind of forming his game. But when you talk about, I mean, a lot of people hate this term, but arm talent. Like, yeah, he can make every throw in the book. Like the guy's arm is unbelievable and. I think that's a big reason why I know Elway 
uh, is definitely into him is because he thinks he can turn, he can take, like, you can't teach that arm. You can teach a lot of the other stuff people think, but you can't teach that arm. And I think that's a big reason why, I mean, I know it's a big reason why I have him as my QB three. He definitely requires work. There's not a doubt in my mind. Like he's not a day one guy. He's not going to step in and be able to be a quality starter in the NFL as a rookie. He's just not, um, Personally, I think he'll be – I think he will go in the first half of the first round, but I wouldn't take him until – similar to Andy with Stidham, take him mid-second round, uh, maybe early second, just because of his uh, potential to develop. If you can teach him maybe footwork and decision-making and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm, the only reason I have him this high is just because, like – We've mentioned weak weak draft class for quarterback, and you can't you can't teach an arm like that, and you got to take a chance on a guy when like that when you have the chance. That's pretty much the only reason why he's QB three for me. Yeah, I uh, I agree with both you guys, and it's funny because I'm happy you both picked the guys you picked because that's kind of where for three for me I'm stuck in a a spot where both those guys are right there, and that's for me is the is the crazy thing, you know. For, for me, three is, is harder than I think a lot of people because I'm stuck. Um, but three, I will go Stidham just because of what you've seen from him post-Senior Bowl now. Um, the Senior Bowl really helped his game a lot. Um, and he was a Baylor, you know, his first couple years. he was You saw, you know, the potential there. Um, and like you said, Andy, I think the biggest thing is we need to figure out what Stidham is, um, you know, was it, Gus Malzahn's offense or was it him you know was it the, the the weapons that he had around him or lack thereof the weapons that he had around him and the really bad offensive line um and I think yes I think J- Jared Sidham uh has the size he has the build you know you know he could run he could throw um kind of a, a different arm uh release than most guys he kind of you know he, he could sling it he's not like a Drew Locke as far as you know that that kind of arm talent um but I think just overall as a good quarterback, I think he's just, he could kind of just do everything good. You know, he's not great. He could do everything good. And I think he has the, the yep. potential. He has the tools. Um, you know, Kenny, you pointed out with Locke, if he kind of fine tunes his game, but I think Jared Stidham's gap to the NFL fine tuning his game is, is going to be a little bit easier. And I think he can get away with um, less mistakes in his development than um, a Drew Locke. So, for me, uh, I will I'll go sit him three as well, but that's just because of how well he really did at the senior ball as well. So. Yeah, so so for me with quarterback four, this is the line where I draw where it's just tough for me to see these guys panning out. Uh, I have Drew Locke, and obviously Kent touched on it. He has a cannon arm, but that, that's where it almost ends for me for strength. I just he doesn't really set his feet often. He throws off his back foot. The pocket presence, the accuracy. These type of quarterbacks, you know, these are not my forte. He needs a lot of work, and I'm just not sold. I'm just not sold on this type of quarterback panning out. At least someone like Josh Allen had incredible athleticism to go with his arm and, you know, rushing for 100 yards a game at the pro level, which is awesome to see. But Locke's going to be tough. He looks honestly like another quarterback in the line, like Paxton Lynch. Uh, Locker out of uh, Washington just yeah. uh-huh. it's not the accuracy to me. And – I would draft him in the early third round just because the arm talent, he's going to go much higher. And if I'm 
If I'm John Elway, I won't make this mistake a third time, but I think he's going to try to get him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. And I'll uh, I'll follow up with my QB4s. I'm going to flip them similar to you guys. Uh, where 3-4, we have the same 3-4, it seems like. Just flip. I go, I'm going Stidham 4. Uh, Andy pretty much touched, and Matt both touched on really most of the pieces with Stidham. Uh, for me, it's the – I mean, I don't know if it was the offense that he was in or a lack of trust in, in his his decisions or his ability. Uh, it might go hand-in-hand. Hand. I'm really not sure if it was – the coach's offense or the coach made that offense due to the fact that he didn't trust Stidham for some reason. I don't really know. Uh, but that's the reason he's four for me is just because they both don't seem like guys that are going to necessarily pan out, but guys that absolutely could if they're put in the perfect, and I mean perfect situation. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's why he's four for me instead of three. Uh, I know Locke picked up on, a lot of guys were saying that he picked up on just like the different, uh, like just at the senior bowl, he picked up on the pro concepts better than uh, some of the other quarterbacks. So, I mean, that's a, another small piece why I have, I have him at three as opposed to four. But, yeah, Stidham four, very similar reasons to you guys, three and four, though. Yeah, and I kind of said it before when I was talking about number three um, with Locke. You know, he was right there for me. So Locke is going to be my fourth guy. Um, you know, Andy, you kind of touched on all the points about, you know, Locke. Um, Kenny, I agree. His his arm strength is something to obviously be um, desired in the NFL. He's got a hell of an arm. Uh, and, and, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, Drew Locke was talked about as, um, you know, obviously a top 10 pick. And I still, I, I still believe he goes somewhere in the top uh, 15 at the latest um, just because of his arm talent. Um, and he seems to have the frame to be able to add on, uh, you know, at six, three, you know, around two twenty. Uh, but I think he could build on to that. You know, you see a lot of guys who are very similar with height and weight, but they just kind of carry the weight differently. So I think, um, Drew Locke can add on to that and definitely needs to, um, he definitely needs to kind of his whole makeup of, of who he is kind of as a player on the field you know, his emotions as far as, you know, the way he interacts with his teammates and everything. Um, he kind of, he kind of fell off. And I think Drew Locke, Drew Locke is like the prototypical boom bust guy in this yep, class. Um, I think he, he's a guy that has such a high ceiling and such a low floor. Uh, it could really be, um, you know, either, you know, kind of, you know, reap the benefits or, or just, you know, you kind of fear the, the negative implications you could have on, on your team and a team like the Broncos. I know that the Broncos are so high on him, apparently from the reports that we've seen. Um, and if they miss on him now, if they take him, I mean that you're just, uh, I mean, they really haven't hit anything free agency in the draft. So I don't know why they would want to do that uh, unless they really, really feel that he he'll pan out. But um, you know, so yeah, he's what's that? No way his ego. He's going to do Always it again. Ego. Yeah, strikes again. I, I understand that for sure. So, yeah, he, uh, Drew Locke, my number four quarterback. Yeah, so then uh, for QB5, quick. Uh, he had a lot of fans a few months ago, but it seems he's kind of tapered off with uh, Daniel Jones out of Duke. Uh, he's just a prototypical height, weight guy, has a good arm, but 
his his accuracy just isn't there for the pro game. I think I think that's really what it comes down to. And his pocket presence is shaky. He really didn't help himself out at the senior bowl. Definitely looked oblivious in the pocket. And maybe with a lot of coaching, it could be similar to Tannehill out of Texas A&M, like an athlete with size. But I'm just really not sold on him. I would draft him mid-third. He was supposed to go high, but he's kind of fallen off. So we'll see where he goes. But the quarterback scarcity in the league, he'll probably end up going uh, early second round or top of the end of the first. Yeah, so uh, my QB5, um, although I, for most of the last couple months, I've, has, I've had the same top five quarterbacks, assuming Kyler Murray came out. Uh, and when I say came out, I mean came out of the MLB and into the NFL. Um, but my QB5 is not Daniel Jones, even though he has been in my top five for most of the year. Um, my QB5 is actually Clayton Thorson at a Northwestern. Uh, I just see a higher potential out of him. I mean, I've been a fan of his for two years now, two and a half years, and he can attest. I watched him play. I went to the uh, pinstripe bowl that he played against Pitt uh, when, back when he uh, had Justin Jackson on the team. And, I mean, he impressed me in more ways than I could have imagined going into the game uh, and then continued to impress me last year. And... This year, it took him a while to get really feel comfortable coming off of that ACL injury. Uh, but once he kind of got his, his legs under him and got his feet wet and got back into the groove of things, he, he definitely showed some uh, franchise quarterback moment. By no means am I saying he's a franchise quarterback, but his upside, I saw some amazing, amazing stuff. And I think the beginning part of this year definitely hurt him but I don't think he was 100% by any means. Uh, and he, he unfortunately missed the senior bowl uh, due to ankle, high ankle sprain or whatever it was or whatever. He didn't participate. Uh, and, but he's a guy that, I mean, he checks off a lot of the boxes and between just his, his size, his arm ability, like whatever you, you go down the line, he kind of checks it off. It's just a matter of like, can he put it all together? Um, this year was, I was very impressed. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot going for him in terms of the team and led them to a, uh, to a title. Well, led them to a conference championship game. And I've, I mean, throughout the last three years, I've been really impressed with just how he's been able to handle himself and, control the game and that's why he he jumped over daniel jones for me at five yeah so for five uh for me uh it also like andy our top five is the same daniel jones um it's it's crazy to think about but you know a lot of people have connected him with the giants just because of the connection with david cutcliffe how he's worked with you know both the mannings um you know he he he's the kind of guy uh daniel jones that you know i think He's got a great. He's got a pretty good arm down the field. He's got good accuracy. Um, you know, his touch seems to be there, and his size is there. I think he kind of has. He is a. He's a poor man's like. I think Dwayne Haskins in this draft, in a way, as a weird way to put it. Um, as far as his size and his, you know, his arm talent. Um, but I think he's a little bit more uh, polished when it comes to touch. Um, than Haskins. And I think that the Cutcliffe thing is actually going to really carry him uh, with scouts and GMs. 
uh, in the league. And I know, I know it sounds crazy because um, Duke really hasn't produced many people under Cutcliffe. So uh, that's kind of interesting. And a lot of people have compared him to Tannehill, uh, which you could see by his long throwing motion, um, which could either hurt him or help him uh, in the league moving forward. So I won't touch too much on Daniel Jones moving forward. But I guess, So I guess just as a question for both of you, because it kind of led me to some of my beliefs started with, I agree. I think that that's going to carry him uh, with the relationship to to Manning. So, Kenny, his question is, because, Kenny, we couldn't hear you. You cut out. I think your mic got disconnected. My mic did get disconnected. From those of you who don't know, Kenny and I are in the same room, just in different se- sections of the room. Uh, but Kenny is back. I apologize for that, uh, that interruption. But uh, Moving forward, the quick question is, do you think the coaches – the reason that he's going to get drafted higher and instead of it being a pro might actually be a con for him moving forward. Uh, Andy, got I, don't, I don't know. He's going to get drafted because he's six, five and has a good arm. That's yeah. that. I, I do. Uh, I think, I do think it's going to carry weight. No, I, I do. I think, uh, I think it's a little bit of both of what both of you said. I think obviously his, his intangibles are there. And I think, Teams really do value Cutcliffe and his opinion, and uh, but I, it's curious. It's funny because like if he never worked with like the Mannings, like it's almost as if like he made the Manning brothers. Like I'm sorry, but like they made themselves. In. I don't know. Like that's, it, yeah, that's kind yeah. of my point. Is like because yeah. he's, the coach is connected to two great quarterbacks, that doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden the quarterback guru, or that all now Daniel Jones is going to be the next Manning brother to come and be a, a franchise quarterback, you know? Yeah. Who needs Cooper Manning when you have Daniel Jones? Um, no. An injury away. He would have been a star. That's right. He, he's the best Manning brother. Um, not to forget the Chicago Bears safety, Danielle Manning, the other Manning brother. Um, but no, I, I think Daniel Jones, uh, definitely, Kenny, I, I think that the Cutcliffe connection is going to carry him a lot more than what it really should, for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. So that that really wraps up our, our top five with the quarterbacks. Um, let's just touch on some sleepers if you guys have. Uh, just, if you could, you could list one, two, three names, whatever, but I uh, won't get obviously too much in analysis with those guys. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll just start this one off just because, oh. yeah, I'm going to mix it up on us. Uh, I mean, I know I've talked with Andy about this, so he'll probably say the similar thing. Uh, but someone that I've enjoyed watching and I turned kind of Andy's eye towards this year and part of last year is uh, Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo. Uh, it's kind of tough to not take a look at him with his just the, the massive arm that he has and the size that he's playing at. Was he six seven or something like that? He's I mean he's a, he's a he's a man amongst like boys and it's like 
weird saying that about a quarterback. Like you see, like that picture of like Metcalf that came out today. Like, all right, that's a man amongst boys. But like now you're saying that about a quarterback, and it's like, it's like Cam Newton esque kind of like watching him play. It looks like he's go like playing in like slow motion, but he's not. It's like a a, a very weird thing to watch. But uh, his he can throw the ball a country mile, and we saw that in uh, in some of his senior bowl senior week stuff. So that's my sleeper. Yeah, um, I have two guys. Um, guy I like a lot um, as a sleeper is uh, Pat Shermer's son from Vanderbilt, Kyle Shermer. Um, obviously, he's the son of a coach. You see a lot of those guys do do fairly well, even as career you know backups, quality backups who could come in and, and start. And I think the potential for Kyle... He can be just is, like his dad and hold the clipboard. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, I think... You know, obviously, we're talking about guys who are you know developmental projects. Even oh, absolutely. This, even our top five. I mean, so these guys are. <laughs> I mean, this class is really honestly that bad. And I'm sorry to other it's media outlets. project. Yeah, you know, a lot of these guys will be talked about. Um, you know, so much higher than they actually should be because of this class. But Kyle Schirmer, I think, does have a lot of potential. I saw him play live at Notre Dame. He impressed me. Notre Dame obviously had a great defense this year. Uh, and he did a really good job against that defense, and he did really good all year, um, you know, for them. And he's improved, and he's only gotten better. Um, and I think, obviously, being a coach's kid uh, will help him, um, not just as far as, like, you know, on the field, but off the field as well. And then and the other guy I wanted to touch on just real quick uh, is Will Greer. Similar to Stidham in the fact that he transferred, and I think you saw um, Will Greer play pretty good at Florida before he left Florida. Uh, and then he had shades of that in West Virginia. I mean, his arm strength is pretty horrendous. But um, I think he has the tools that, you know, earlier in this process, people were talking about Will Greer as a, you know, QB1 at one point, QB2. I mean, really, like I said, you know, this QB class is horrendous and won't get more into that. But um, I think Will Greer has the potential to be a good quarterback. Yeah, so just so. to cap it off, uh, I honestly haven't watched a lot of him. I'm actually watching a game right now, but uh, he he has pretty good stats. He has a uh, has the tools, but I don't really know a lot about him. I hope I'm pronouncing his name Brett Ripian out of Boise State. Yeah, seems like he kind of seems like for a mid late round quarterback, he has he has the tools. I just I need to watch more of him, and I know he has some fans on Twitter, but I don't know if you guys have anything else to add about that. But I he's see. my sleeper. Is he a lefty? I feel like all Boise State quarterbacks are lefties. Uh, wait for this next throw. Uh, <laughs> nobody's ready. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've watched a handful of Boise State uh, games when he's been quarterback. And, uh, I mean, he. I mean, he's obviously, like, without him, they don't have much of an offense. <laughs> That's what I mean. So, maybe – so maybe, uh, but he definitely didn't impress me by any means when it, when it comes to a uh, prospect Fair enough. Uh, view. Uh, I definitely wouldn't like say no. I mean, I definitely. Def what did you say? He's a sleeper quarterback, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like, yeah, he picks, yeah, yeah, he fits the sleeper mold, and it's I'm yeah. I mean, that's pretty much. It's a good. A solid sleeper pick. I mean, you get some of those guys down there, and you're just like, you start looking down the names. You're like, I know this guy, but like, the Lions—he's not, he's not an NFL like even a backup. And we have him this year as like 
the tenth quarterback, and they're like, "Oh no, yeah. this guy's gonna be good." And it's like, "No, just stop talking." Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, one guy I want to mention quick. Another one. Just, yeah, just no. He's not a sleeper as a quarterback. He's a sleeper as a as an athlete. Is uh, Trace McSorley uh, uh, from Penn State? Here we go. Here we go. That's good for part number one. No, you can go. And here, <laughs> here's why I say it. I think if you look at Taysom Hill. Uh, from the Saints. Um, I mean, slightly different, but I'll let you keep going. Well, he was a quarterback. Um, That's about the only connection he, you have. He's white. Okay, um, two connections, but you're pushing it. And I and I think uh, you know Trace McSorley was is actually he's a horrible quarterback. He really is. Um, and that's I'm not he's saying not he's a quarterback. He's not. No, you he's are not. not a quarterback. And I I don't think he's even going to be a quarterback in the NFL. I think he <laughs> has yet. He has the athletic ability to play in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. Just not at the quarterback position. So, so I would, you, where do you see him? Like, he, I, I mean, I really <laughs> see him as be, like again. We talked about it earlier in this episode, but the NFL is a copycat league, and if you could find a way to get him on the field and use that athletic ability, I think that teams will. And if you can, whether it's a gimmick play, whether he's on, you know, punt, you know, um, anything as far as just like a gimmick. Uh, as a distraction, I think he could do something. You put him at like H back. He could kind of run the wildcat or run, uh, you know, just trick plays. Just as a decoy, he could throw it. He could run, and who knows? Maybe he could catch. I don't. I'm not saying he will, but I think that if you're looking at one guy who could make an impact uh, in this class, like I'm sorry, I think you're going to see a lot more out of Trace McSorley than like uh, I don't know Nick Fitzgerald or. Which, which brings me to my point. Two quarterbacks that if any team takes with a draft pick, undrafted free agent, that's different. If any team takes Nick Fitzgerald or Gardner Minshew with a draft pick, I might have to publicly shame them because they are wow. throwing at a pick in garbage. Can we end on a positive note? Maybe, maybe McSorley could be like a special teams captain. Not even kidding. He has good leadership. No, maybe that, no, absolutely. But he brought me to Nick Fitzgerald, and I've hated him all year, and I continue to hate him. So I need to get my point out there. But there are a lot of positive stories in here. Which, like what? I mean, hey, you John have like McSorley. We didn't even <laughs> touch on Finley. He has a good arm. He'll, he'll get. I mean, he has a pupa view, but. I think they were strong arms in the NBA football league. Then the then the uh, then the AAF or whatever. I know, I, know, I know you're a big Jake Browning guy, right? Jake Browning, I remember him. When Jake Browning when he was in college in like 2009. Yeah, Jake Browning is literally like he he's that quarterback that you're like I like how many years of eligibility does he have? He's like I'll play three games this year, six games next year, and then all add up to like. Four years, but I'll be here for ten. Yeah. I wonder how many degrees that kid has. He's that guy that's going to probably be a really good like quarterback coach or something. That's what. That's where I have him drafted at. Eastern Stick. So, yeah, from uh, North Dakota. Um, but anyway, right, we're, so we're going off the that's rails. It. Here. That's it. Yeah, this, this show's over. It's, this, um, this is the the end of it. It's it's late. We we all kind of gotta have long days. We gotta wake up in the morning. Have be have a little step to our step. So. Yeah. Uh, We'll we'll call it here. I'll let uh let one of you two go because I've talked enough and lead us into what might be next time. 
yeah, I mean, I'll just I'll, I'll wrap up the show. Uh, so that was that was really it. You know, we did our top five quarterbacks. We touched on the big news of the day: Kyler Murray uh, finally committing to playing in the NFL for now. Uh, and then, um, you know, which obviously that that hype is is real, and that's some serious stuff. Uh, Kareem Hunt signs with the Browns, and we recap the NFL season as a whole. Congrats, Andy. Number six, more parades than most teams will have in a lifetime. Um, all right, so that wraps it up. Show number one in the books. And uh, look forward to a good season with you guys. And hopefully we'll have some guests on as well. So for Ken and Andy, I'll see you guys next week. Done. Look what I've done in my life. I had to count it, then count it again to make sure the money was right. They love to talk. Me, I'm just done in a hype. Me, I'm just done in a hype. Me, I'm just done, 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 done.